stop whining and pull this car over. I will pull this car over. I am serious. Hello and welcome to this week's Points of Interest podcast. This is Krista Bontrager and I'm your tour guide as we're going through all 66 books of the Bible. This year as part of the Route 66 campaign at Grace Church of Glendora. Are you ready? Here we go! Welcome to week four of the Route 66 Journey Through the Bible. And this week, starting on Sunday, January 20th, we'll be in Exodus chapter 7. And we'll be wrapping up the week on Saturday in Exodus 27. And we're going to hit some highlights here to prepare you for the week's reading. These are just some things to look out for along the way. Some thoughts that I had as I went through the reading. Most of our focus in this podcast is really trying to understand how all of the stories in the Bible tell the overall story of the Bible. And we've been following the storyline or the plot of how the seed of the woman from which the Redeemer will come and that promise that was made back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 and this, how the seed of the woman is, is being preserved and, and passed on and that those are the descendants of Jesus that ultimately he is the Messiah. He is the one that is sent by God to redeem humanity. And then along with that storyline is the seed of the serpent. And we're going to see various peoples and characters that are cast in the role of the seed of the serpent. And they're the ones that are trying to wipe out the seed of the woman. And so constantly the, the seed of the woman and the ancestors of Jesus are are in peril and, and under threat. And so we're going to be looking for those major themes as we go forward. And that's really going to come into play in this week's reading. We're going to start seeing more and more examples of that. In Exodus chapter 7, we're going to begin a, a series of confrontations between Moses as the representative of God's people versus Pharaoh as the representative of the seed of the serpent. And the seed of the serpent is trying to oppress and wipe out the seed of the woman, the, the people of God. And so Moses is going to have these confrontations with Pharaoh. And he's also going to have confrontations with the gods of Egypt. And that's really what many scholars think the plagues in Egypt are about. Is there are a series of confrontations between Israel's God, Yahweh, and the Egyptian gods. And that's a great thing to keep in mind as you go through the plagues. Look at each one as a face-off between two gods. Which power will win? Which god has the most power? And in the beginning, the Egyptian magicians are able to actually replicate some of the miracles that Moses does, some of the plagues. But then as they go along, they're no longer able to replicate those miracles. And we see that ultimately... The God of Israel is the one true God. He's the one who, who has the power. In fact, his power is so great that he is able to set his people free. And so once again, the seed of the woman is preserved and the line of the Messiah moves forward. And so there's kind of this collective sigh of relief in the plot for a minute. But then... It doesn't take long before they're out in the wilderness and things become more complicated. Another important signpost along the way that you're going to want to 
Make sure to pull off to the side of the road for a few minutes and, and, and pay careful attention to is Exodus chapter 12. This is the account of the first Passover. And this is hugely important in the storyline of, of the Bible because this is the major feast that identifies the Jewish people. It is the cornerstone of their salvation. One of my professors in seminary used to call it, this was the Jewish equivalent of Jesus dying on the cross for us. That is our salvation moment for the Jews. Their salvation moment was Passover and the provision of Passover. Another thing to think about with the Passover story is how it foreshadows the judgment and the salvation that Jesus provides in the New Testament and as part of the New Covenant. There is so much foreshadowing here of the lamb and the lamb being perfect and, and being killed and being a sacrifice and many symbolisms that foreshadow the salvation that Jesus will bring about in the New Covenant. So that's another thing to look for in the Passover story. Exodus 12, very rich passage. In fact, if you have time, that might even be one you want to read two times because it's just so foundational to the whole thing. When we get to chapter 14, we're going to see kind of the climax of the whole face-off between Moses and Pharaoh or between the God of Israel and the gods of Egypt and the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent. The, the Jews are at the Red Sea and it looks perilous. I mean, I want you to think about this as like the climax of the movie. You know, the bad guy is winning. The good guy is losing. The good guy's sword is broken or his gun has been lost or it's jammed or whatever. And it looks like the bad guy is going to win and, and conquer and, and the good guys are going to be wiped out. And then somehow, some way, there's some twist that happens. The good guys are saved and the bad guys are defeated. Well, that's exactly what happens here. We are, as the readers, anticipating getting working our way toward this climax. And here they are at the Red Sea and it looks desperate and and it looks like all hope is lost. And, and this is the the point of no return and then what happens the sea parts and Israel's God once again rescues them and and Yahweh wins and the good guys win and then even better the sea closes on top of the Egyptians and the bad guys are wiped out I mean you can't make a movie much better than that I mean that's the perfect storyline but we see all of these threads of the overall story of the Bible wrapped up in that one little story Israel triumphs, God's people triumph, the seed of the woman triumphs, and the seed of the serpent is defeated. But then almost immediately we get to chapter 15, we're like one chapter later, we're, we're uh, two minutes later in the movie plot, and the Israelites are already complaining. God has worked these wondrous miracles that are recorded in the Bible for us to read. And these eyewitnesses saw these things these generations ago and they witnessed the plagues and they witnessed God's mighty hand and they witnessed God's rescuing. And yet they're complaining. And we look at that and we think, how could they possibly complain? They were the eyewitnesses. They saw it. And yet we see once again that even when God triumphs, the human heart is still sinful. That is ultimately our problem. It was our problem in Eden. It was the problem after the flood. It was still the problem with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's still the problem today. 
The problem is, is that even when there are miracles, our hearts are wicked and disbelief comes in and we complain and nothing new is under the sun. It's the universal human experience. This is just how it's going to go. And yet in spite of this complaining, we also see once again, God's faithfulness. When God's people are unfaithful, God is faithful to his covenant people. People who have entered into that covenant relationship with God, God will take care of them. He will preserve them. He sends the manna. He sends the water. It's just another shadow of Christ and his death. And on our behalf is that when we have entered into that covenant relationship with God in the new covenant, sometimes we are unfaithful, but God is faithful. Jesus' death is, is still there for us. The forgiveness is there for us and God still takes care of us and he provides just as he provided manna in the wilderness and, and water for his people. He provides for his people today. This week, we're also going to start getting into the law. And this is again, one of those sections of scripture. You might start feeling like, Oh, I want to pull off to the side of the road here and call a tow truck. I feel like I have a flat tire. It's really slow going. I don't know how to understand all of these laws. So we'll see in chapter 20 that we're going to get to the Ten Commandments in particular. And those are pretty straightforward, pretty easy to understand. But then we start getting into some of the more difficult and complicated ones. When we get to the law sections, if you're really stumbling, think of it like this. Is this law telling me how to love God or how to love my neighbor? Because really all the laws boil down to those two things, loving God, loving my neighbor. So when you're reading an obscure law about having a fence on your roof and you're thinking, what in the world is this about? Why do I need a fence on my roof? Think, is this a law telling me about how to worship and love God or how to love my neighbor? If we're fellowshipping up on my roof, we're hanging out, it's a warm night, we're up on our roof, and I don't have a fence on my roof, my house could be sort of dangerous, and my neighbor might fall off my roof. So having a little fence on my roof is a way of loving my neighbor. Oh, now it begins to make sense. So these are like little cultural snippets of, in that culture, here's how you can express love for God or love for the, your neighbor. And you want to think about what is the universal principle behind these laws that can be applied to all times and all places and all cultures. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you find this podcast helpful, this little preview of coming attractions, if you will. Be sure to visit the Grace Church website for more resources. If you need some roadside assistance and you want to ask a question, that's the place to do it. And also a quick tip for this week. If you're having problems staying up to date on your reading, try using an audio Bible. If you're using the YouVersion app on your phone, for example, you might not have noticed that there's actually an audio Bible feature that's part of that. You just pick your favorite translation. Many of them have audio Bibles included in there. And you just press that little audio button and it'll read it to you. So next time you're driving to your chiropractor appointment or you're driving to pick up the kids from school, turn on your audio Bible. You can listen while you drive. That's a great way to uh, consume your Bible reading and just keep going in the word. Keep moving. And if you're feeling sluggish, you feel like you have a flat tire, don't panic. 
just keep trying and and do your best. Just remember Pastor John's analogy when we started this whole campaign about the bucket. You know, there might be some holes in your bucket, but some water's still going through and you're in the word, you're saturating yourself, and that's the goal. You don't have to understand everything, but you're in the word. Stay in the word, be diligent, and we'll see you next week. Are we there yet? We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> <laughs>